You're listening to episode number 26. Today, we're going to be talking about how to talk to your kids about sex. Welcome to the Boys Built Better podcast. I'm Jessica, a mom of three boys who is just trying to do things better. I'm coming to you from Fort Collins, Colorado, where I live with my husband, our boys, and a whole lot of four-legged friends. I'm here to share my thoughts on raising boys in today's world, find answers to your parenting questions, and chat with experts about building happy, healthy boys. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for listening today. I am actually going to be sharing an old episode um, from back in the fall today. You may have seen online that I recently did a talk with my friend uh, and expert, Corey Wilford, on having tough conversations with your kids. I did that last week at a store in Fort Collins called Heyday, and I know that a lot of people had wanted to be there and weren't able to. So the good news is we recorded that, and that episode is going to be coming to you, I think, in either August or September. Um, But we had so many people that were interested in being there or really thought the information was great that I wanted to play for you the episode that Corey and I did on talking to your kids about sex and just creating sexually healthy kids. Um, I think uh, my plan is to be resharing some of my favorite episodes throughout the month of July because I am currently home with my kids and unable to produce some new episodes. So these are some of my favorites and I am re-recording some commentary. I will say that this was, as far as all of the episodes that I've produced, the one that I found the most informational because it was something that I knew nothing about. A lot of the episodes I have some experience with because we've personally gone through them and I want to share information. For example, I've talked at length about having gotten a diagnosis of depression from one of my kids and I wanted to do an episode on that because I had a lot to say based on our own experience and I wanted to share that information. This episode with Corey, I didn't know any of the information and I just had so many moments that I felt were really powerful and really important in terms of talking to your kids. So we're going to cut on over to that interview, and I hope you enjoy it again. Even if you heard it the first time, re-listen, because the information there's so much great information. Like I said, I just did a talk with Corey last week, and I relearned some great stuff. So I think it's always good to have a refresher. Just um, to reiterate that this information is important no matter what the age of your kids is there's a lot of good information here about starting very young on how to talk to your kids throughout their whole life. So just because I've mentioned that this conversation happens to be about sex, it doesn't mean that we're talking about older kids here. It it is about creating a relationship with your child where they can come to you and kind of from the get-go being able to share information with them over time that's age-appropriate. So for sure, no matter what your age, um, the age of your child, have a listen. So let's cut on over. Hi, Corey. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you. Uh, we usually, I like to start off with an icebreaker. And I uh, was saying that I normally will just say something like, hey, how are you doing? But I <laughs> sent you an outline for the script and you sent me back an icebreaker. Yes. So why don't you start <laughs> off by asking the icebreaker question? Okay. <laughs> yeah. So um, one of the things that I always like to ask parents and even friends of mine is what they learned about sexual health. Um, growing up and, um, you know, what was their experience at school or what did their parents tell them? And so 
That was my question for you. (laughs) Okay. And I feel like my experience with sexual health is probably one of the reasons why I'm interviewing you today. Mm -hmm. Also because uh, men's sexual health is certainly on, I feel like, a lot of people's minds Mm -hmm. because we've got a lot of things coming up with how men are behaving sexually. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think it's also really relevant. But uh, and I also have a teenage or a near teenager. And so I'm sort of feeling like that out. How do I teach him about sex? But the reason why I'm interviewing you today is because I don't feel like my parents taught me much of anything. Like, like I would never have talked to them about sex. They never really talked to me about sex, except for maybe like literally the bare bone mechanics. Like yeah. this is how a baby <laughs> is made. Please don't ask me any more questions. <laughs> And my sister and I talk about that too. Like we're just really trying to do something different or be more accessible. Sure. Yeah. I think a lot of people, um, our age, I think a lot of parents, um, with young kids, kids entering middle school, entering adolescence feel the same way. Like I, you know, wish I would have had more information. I had to find it on my own. I wish my parents would have known how to talk to me or have taught me things before I had to figure them out on my own. Um, and so I, I hear that a lot. And I think it's a great way to start the conversation of, of what we want for our kids and, um, you know, what we want to do differently than, you know, perhaps our parents did for us. I also ask this question. Um, I work with a lot of uh, high school age, college age students, and I ask them the same thing. You know, what was your first um, education in school or from your parents? And a lot of them will say the same things. My parents, you know, I wish they would have um, told me more. I wish that I hadn't have, you know, had to wait till college to learn more. And so, um, you know, it's it's a common theme across generations. And so now we really can, you know, try and do better and um, and try and learn from what we didn't learn to try and do better. So with that, for <laughs> listeners who may not be familiar with you, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Sure. Um, well, first off, I am a mom to two kids. I have a daughter who's 14 and a son who's 12. Um, and so I am right there with you and with a lot of um, parents probably listening. Um, and I have worked in the field of public health. I have a master's of public health degree and um, a degree in women's studies. So my focus has always kind of been on social justice, uh, health education, um, maternal and child health. And I worked for about 16 years as a sexual health educator through a local public health department. Um, And I also worked on a public health campaign here in the state of Colorado called beforeplay.org, which really sought to um, normalize conversations about sex between partners, between family members, between um, individuals and their healthcare providers. Um, We looked across um, some research at women in their 20s and why they experience unintended pregnancy. And one of the things that they reported was um, kind of this idea of whatever happens, happens. (laughs) And so somewhere along the way, they hadn't gotten, you know, whether it was information or whether, um, you know, it for whatever reason, it wasn't necessarily um, important to them to, you know, think about this concept of planning for pregnancy, that once they got into their 20s, if it was supposed to happen, it would happen. (laughs) And so we thought, you know, there's there's really not a lot of these conversations that happen, whether it's between parents or in schools growing up. And so 
we tried with the beforeplay.org campaign to address that and kind of remove this sense of apathy and make it, you know, make sex something that was just a normal part of conversations that we have with people, that we have with each other, that we have with partners. Um, And that's, it's difficult when we haven't gotten basic information about sex and we haven't necessarily learned that it's something natural and important to talk about with our partners. Or in something, something that you just said made me think too, like one of the things that I'm trying to do as a parent, and you'll probably tell me later whether or not it's right or wrong, is sort of take away the discomfort about talking about sex. Like, you know, if my kids have questions, I'm trying to make it comfortable, but even like a little joking and just really trying, I think it makes a lot of people uncomfortable. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, you know, all all children are different and, and, you know, boys certainly aren't one way or the other, but I think that boys tend to be a little bit more embarrassed uh, Mm -hmm. about sexual health. They get a lot of messages um, from media, just from our our culture about how men are supposed to be. And I think part of that is that they're expected to sort of know everything Mm -hmm. about sex. And even from a young age, they can understand that, um, you know, men are uh, potentially the um, initiators of sex. Men, um, you know, and and potentially a cultural thing too, that men have some sort of ownership over sexuality. There's, and potentially, especially their female partners, sexuality. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, <laughs> I was going with that. Well, well obviously, there's a lot to talk about. Like, yeah. already, you could yes. just start. To, so before we get into anything else, can you, since we are talking about kind of creating sexually healthy children and um, from an early age, like a whole lifespan, I feel like if you have a young kid, still listen to this episode. Like Absolutely. it's still like, that's my big concern. Yes. Don't turn this off. If you yes. hear sex and you think you have a two year old, like, Absolutely. No. One of the things I always say is that, um, talking with your kids about sex is a little bit like, um, skin care cream, <laughs> but it's never too early and oh. it's never too late, um, to begin, um, using, using nice, uh, moisturizer. <laughs> and so, uh, same message here. If, if you're going to, you know, don't listen to this and think, Oh, I haven't started, talking with my kids already don't think oh it's too late you know everything I would say is lost um you know is going to be lost on them um but also that it's it's not too early so I hear that a lot and you said it too like my child's getting to this age so I need to start doing this yeah and that's that's great um but also it's you know in a lot of ways you've already been doing it probably (laughs) you know so yeah yep so let's (laughs) talk about can you define sexual health yeah um the world health organization um and many other states and organizations use a similar um definition um but they talk about it being a state of physical and emotional well-being um in in areas that are related to sexuality um one of the things that I would define it as is, you know, uh, having respectful relationships. And these are relationships and interactions that should be free of coercion, free of violence. Um, Everyone deserves to um, express their sexuality in a safe um, place. So not only is sexuality the absence of disease or the absence of some of the negative potential consequences of sex, but it's also this natural, normal, good thing about each of us. And you had mentioned an organization, what was it, World Health Organization? Yes. <laughs> so is there like 
sexual sexuality research happening? Like what are there different approaches to sexual health? Absolutely. One of the areas I've focused on in my professional life is school-based sex education. And um, research in that field um, really was non-existent until around the early 2000s. And around then, um, sort of information became uh, clear that Talking to kids was okay, that giving them a ton of information about birth control or condoms or um, relationships was not going to be harmful. It wasn't going to make them initiate sex. And while it might be uncomfortable for teachers or for parents, there was no harm in giving them that information in a medically accurate, culturally responsible um, way. You know, when most people think about what they might have learned in high school they um, or, or elementary school or college, they might have gotten either abstinence information or they might have had a more comprehensive approach. Comprehensive sex, sexuality education includes information about abstinence, decision-making, uh, relationships, more modern comprehensive curriculum, uh, include information about gender identity, uh, and consent and LGBTQ, um, issues. So, um, that is really what has been shown to work when it comes to having an impact on behavior. So we know that, uh, kids who receive comprehensive sex education, uh, wait longer to initiate sex, which sometimes for parents is a little bit uh, counterintuitive, right? We didn't expect that from research, that the more information you give, the longer kids are going to wait. Like, go figure. I, <laughs> right? I just learned something new today. <laughs> yep. um, and uh, we know that um, when young people do initiate sex, when they have had um, a comprehensive education, they're more likely to use contraception, they're more likely to use condoms um, during those encounters, um, and then thus unintended pregnancy STIs um, are also decreased. Um, and so that has all been shown with evidence. Abstinence only, um, abstinence until marriage, more more recently called sexual avoidance um, programs, have not been shown to be um, effective in doing those same things. So research is saying you should be talking to your kids. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, I'm shocked to hear, and it, I guess it makes me think about my sexual education in schools and my memory of it is maybe more about my own my own feminine mechanics like i don't mm -hmm. really actually remember being taught about sex right. now my my now 6th grader did have a class last year and now i, I feel like i should ask him some more questions about <laughs> what he was actually taught yeah. but it's making me think about what is different for today's kids like obviously my sex education was different but just how is sexual education different for kids today Right. So the the little ones, you know, the the um, elementary kids are contrary to some fears <laughs> parents have. They're not learning about condoms and they're not learning about um, birth control methods. They're learning the mechanics. They're learning about um, human growth and development. They're learning about body parts. And usually it's contained within uh, lessons and information about other, you know, body systems. So they learn about the endocrine system and they start to learn about hormones. Um, 
elementary age kids start to learn about the concepts of communicable disease, right? And this is how the flu spreads, and this is how the cold spread. Um, and sometimes uh, HIV, STIs will get sort of mixed into there, and it's kind of a gentle introduction <laughs> to that. So as far as things that have changed for the younger kids elementary age kids, not a whole lot because, you know, menstruation and (laughs) ovulation and those types of things haven't changed. One of the things that has started to shift is sort of this focus on seeing sex as as a scary thing, um, something that, that children need to be afraid of and worry about, and that it's a little embarrassing to starting to understand that it is a natural thing that um we all come from different types of families we all um have different ways to express our sexuality and those were things i think when we were younger were never discussed right this idea of i remember when we were younger and in school, they would say, we are not going to discuss alternative lifestyles, right? And so... I don't remember that, but I'm sure that happened, yeah. (laughs) And we're about the same age, so our references are... Yeah, yeah. and I think, you know, so a a lot of us grew up with this idea that um, there were some topics that were taboo, right? There were some things we weren't going to talk about, that teachers weren't going to teach us, that our parents weren't going to talk about. And today, you know, our gen- we, our generation, we know how important it is to talk about safety, to talk about consent, to teach our boys, you know, about body sovereignty and that, um, you know, that they aren't, um, you know, to be perpetrated upon and that they, you know, also can't be the perpetrators. Um, and it's, it's difficult um, to teach that, but I think parents know that they need to start talking and, and that some of those issues that were never talked about um, for most of us are crucial conversations to have now. So I think a lot of that is opening up. Um, every school and every you know school district and every classroom is different when it comes to this. Um, but I think those those shifts are starting to happen as you know, culturally, it just becomes a part of our, our normal conversation. So let's talk about then um, making it a normal conversation. Let's transition Mm -hmm. to kind of what sex education looks like through different ages. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's sort of hard to know as a parent when you should start talking about sex. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So what are your recommendations about what to teach Yep. Um, my recommendation is to talk early and to talk often and to make it sort of a lifelong conversation. Again, that doesn't mean that if you're listening to this and you have a seven-year-old or even eight-year-old that you're too late (laughs) and that, and that, (laughs) and that, oh, well, right. Um, but, but truly from the time a baby is born, they start to learn about the world. They learn about their bodies, their first, um, understanding of love and of relationships is through touch, right? And through sensation. And so they're learning right away what what a relationship is, what a bond is, um, and and how to love and feel loved. So from the very beginning of life, you could say they are um, 
sexual beings um, because they're experiencing those sensations as as love. Um, from the time a little one uh, can, you know, if you, when you're giving them a bath and you're teaching them about their nose and their elbow <laughs> and their tummy, right, um, vagina, penis, vulva, those are all normal parts of the body as well. So even little kids can tune in <laughs> and know when you've just skipped over some parts. Or you so, call them something or you silly, them something which was silly. one thing I did. I did teach the proper name. So <laughs> good. That's great. <laughs> and, and it is good. And, um, a lot of parents, even, you know, if they're uncomfortable with that, um, I point out that when kids are able to name their body parts, um, when they're able to, you know, say, um, the correct terms, they're actually, and there's some research on this that shows that they're less likely to be perpetrated upon by someone who, um, you know, might want to abuse them sexually because perpetrators don't want to seek out kids who have that body awareness, who are more likely to tell, who are more likely to be able to identify inappropriate touch and, and to be able to use that specific yep. language to explain absolutely. it absolutely and that, there's another thing i learned yep. today see yep. um so let's talk more about young kids so mm -hmm. maybe even moving into preschool and what yeah. sexual health looks like at at that sort of age yep um so kids continue to be really curious um one of the things i did with my kids that i i thought worked really well and other parents have said worked well is that i pointed out babies. <laughs> I pointed out pregnant people um, everywhere we went. So I would say things like, oh my goodness, look at that, you know, look at, at that woman's belly. She has a baby in there. Isn't that, ex you know, isn't that neat? Isn't that exciting? And it was sort of important for me at every stage of their development to put a little bit of information out there. Um, and I think this works particularly well with boys. <laughs> they, I feel like boys are less likely to want to sit down and have a long conversation <laughs> about anything. At least that's true for that my true. son, but they really like those bits of information, right? Yeah. So, Oh, there's a baby in there. That's something I can talk about, right? It mm -hmm. registers as something that is okay for them to bring up. It's something that's comfortable for me to talk about right I had a friend who was uh, having a home birth and so my family took her older child <laughs> for a couple of days while she was giving birth to her second child and I was really talking it up. <laughs> There's a baby coming. The baby's gonna, um, you know, the mom's gonna have have contractions, and the baby's gonna come out the vagina. And I was just so proud of myself for talking about how this baby was gonna get out, and you're gonna have a sister. And um, then one of my kids, who hadn't asked the question before, but we talked a lot about babies and bellies, um, you know, said, "But how did the baby get in there?" Right. And so as as versed as I think I am in this, it was still difficult in that moment to know what to say. And I definitely stumbled, even though I really felt like I would be prepared for that. But here I was with someone else's child, <laughs> as well as my own. And it, it took me a minute and I definitely stumbled. And that's okay. And we're all going to stumble a little bit. But what I did was I came back to it right mm -hmm. um, at another time. And I said, you know, I wasn't sure exactly how to answer that. And I want to make sure that I give you the, the right information. 
And so, you know, kids are curious, but sort of pointing out the natural wonders, the natural things in life that we see every day. Um, we hear things on the radio, we hear things in songs that um, are okay to point out, right, to, to little kids. And so it starts in almost every interaction <laughs> that we have and, and um, how we experience the world. And what about, you know, I know that little kids will start to explore their own bodies. Mm-hmm. So kind of, can you talk more about kind of guiding parents through that and sure. how to talk to their kids about if they're starting to touch themselves? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, kids and, and people exploring their own bodies is a healthy, you know, normal part of sexuality. And it's a normal part of kids growing up and learning about their bodies. The the important thing is to teach kids about public and private behaviors, right? So, you know, kids might not realize that walking through the grocery store rubbing, you know, their penis is not is not the best thing until we tell them, right? And the goal would be to not shame, you know, um, if you see, um, you, you know, your child touching their genitals when they're out in public, one approach might be to be really alarmed and say, don't do that and almost get upset, right? Because it can be alarming <laughs> when those things happen. Um, but the other approach would be to, you know, quietly, you know, whisper to the child and just say, you know what, um, I see that you're touching your penis and I just want to remind you or let you know that that's something you can do at home, but not when we're out around other people. Um, and kids will understand that, right? And so you have not shamed. Um, you've let them know that that behavior is normal, but it's the place, right, that they're doing behavior that's not acceptable. That's not um, okay. And kids get that. And what about, I mean, one of the things I remember, I think I took a class, I had to take a class on safe touch when I was going to be working in a preschool. And then it was something that I was sort of aware that I needed to talk to my kids about. Mm -hmm. And it sort of goes along with the whole, this whole conversation with young kids about identifying parts of your body, knowing when is appropriate to maybe touch those parts, but also who can touch those parts. So can you talk a little bit about kind of teaching that? Sure. Yeah. Um, Again, from a really young age when we're teaching body parts, you know, it's okay to let kids know that some parts are private, right? Some parts are only for them or for um, a parent. If there's a situation like in a doctor's office to, to look at in an effort to make sure that they are healthy, right? To make sure that everything is okay. But um, a friend, another grown up, another family member, there's no reason that they should be touching their private parts or doing any, you know, type of touch that doesn't feel comfortable um, to them. One of the things that parents can do to really kind of drive that home is to make sure that kids do have that autonomy um, over their bodies. So when they're little, we're not making them go give Aunt Gertie a kiss, right? Oh, Aunt Gertie's here. Go kiss her. Go give her a hug goodbye, right? Um, Not all kids feel comfortable hugging. Not all people feel comfortable hugging or kissing or, or showing that type of affection. And so teaching kids from that really early age that it's okay to give a high five. It's okay to wave. You don't have to hug or kiss or anything that 
that you don't feel comfortable with. Um, and sometimes kids feel that pressure. They feel like they're going to get in trouble if they don't um, do some of those those things. Um, and while parents might think those those types of things are harmless, they really can send kids the message that their body's not their own. Other people can, you know, tell them what to do with their body. And from a really young age, I think it's important to teach that and to also teach the other people in your life, the Absolutely. other adults in your life that, you know, I'm, he's not comfortable giving you a hug right now. How about a high five, you know, and and letting the adults know as well that your child's body and their choice to hug or kiss them is their own. And I feel like I was totally made to do that when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And so well, I, and it's hard. I mean, I have had friends and, you know, family members who you know, they have the best intentions, but come here and give me a kiss. Can I have a hug? Can I have a hug? And you see your child kind of, you know, back off and their head goes down and they don't want to hug and, you know, they don't want to kiss. And it is, um, that's a good time to step in and just say, Oh, doesn't look like they want to hug, <laughs> you know, and to <laughs> kind of save your child yeah. in those instances. And then they hopefully can learn to, um, advocate for themselves. Right. And that situations. is a great way to sort mm-hmm. of show your child. Yep. Like, yep. I mean, that's a great way to teach Other them. situations too are, um, in that regard, if you are, um, you know, wrestling or tickling a kid and that's all, you know, again, it's all in good fun and with the best intentions, but when a kid says, you know, stop, stop, stop. Right. And they're laughing and they're giggling cause you're tickling and it's this high energy situation. When they say stop or don't, then stop and don't, you know, and it it's, again, it might seem so small and, oh, we're just having fun and we're wrestling, but it is an important message to send, you know, and to say, oh, I heard you say stop. Let's do something different. Yeah, um, I like that. Sorry if I made you uncomfortable. What about moving? Let's move on. Let's uh-huh. move on to like slightly older kids. So okay. maybe elementary age, which I think a lot of that has some overlap, Yeah, you know, especially young elementary. Like I've got a six-year-old, you know, like a lot of the, the uh-huh. young stuff you were just talking about is really appropriate for him. Yeah. But let's talk about elementary school kids and sexual health. Yeah. So this is like six to eight-year-olds. Um, they can understand sex. They can understand uh, where the, the usual way that pregnancy happens. They are generally um, asking questions if they have not already learned that questions aren't okay. <laughs> um, oh, that's interesting. You know, yeah. so sometimes people say, my kids just won't talk to me and I'm open and I'm, you know, I, I want to talk about all this. And I always tell them they can talk to me about anything, but sometimes we don't realize that we've sent some of those messages over the years. Um, like to not talk about it. Right. To, um, that sort of, that of whole thing. Yeah. That, that kind of blew my mind a little bit right there. And I want to say that because I'd never thought about that that mm-hmm. way. But I also want to say that because I, my oldest and I had a very direct conversation about sex when he was third grade and we were driving to um, soccer. That's perfect. But it was, yeah, <laughs> I know I've heard it's that. a great time. Yep. I interviewed a doctor like my first episode and he said like, those yeah. are, you know, like when you're yeah. both facing somewhere yeah. else, doing good, something else. Yeah. But, but we started talking about it. And I'll totally let you finish talking about elementary school, but it made me so uncomfortable. I was, I didn't know he had said something. There was something about 
um, it was a form that he was filling out and it mm-hmm. said sex. He's like, mom, this is sex. And I said, oh, okay. You know, like, well, what sex? But the, at third grade, he knew information. He had obviously talked about it with his friends. Yeah. And that was a huge, like the light went on to me like, wow, if I want to make sure he's getting the correct information, we're going to have to start talking about this because he already is. Right. Right. And that was, I think at the time I had said, well, what is sex? And he didn't want to answer that. And I said, okay, well, why do you have it? Yeah. And he said, well, because it feels good. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, yeah, it does. Um, that's where babies come from. <laughs> he was sort of like, what? Oh, yeah. You know, but anyway, so, so you keep going, but I do love that, that mm-hmm. that might be your opportunity right there. Yeah. If this is your goal. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and I think, I mean, one of the things I, I think I've, I've heard you say or allude to a few times is that you you're worried about saying the right thing that you're worried about. Am I going to have the right information? And I think one of the things that parents need to realize is that this is a learning and growing experience for you and your child and your relationship together. And you're not, I never, I don't always have the right answers when I talk to my kids. I don't always have the best way to say something at my fingertips, but what I always come back to is this notion that they're asking things that are okay. They want to know, um, they want to understand sexuality. And my job is to really bottom line is to have them grow into sexually healthy adults with the understanding that sex is something good about them, that they grew up. Maybe I didn't tell them every detail about every, you know, uh, symptom of an STI, (laughs) although I have, but, um, you know, um, but what I want them to, when they grow up and move away or when they reflect back on their sexuality education and what their parents told them, I want them to say, you know, I don't really remember the exact things they said. I don't really remember sitting down and talking, but I remember that it was something good about me. I remember feeling like they were comfortable conversations. I remember that my mom tried really hard, (laughs) even if she was awkward. You know what I mean? So it's kind of that, like, we want them to kind of remember the melody. Right. It's the sum of all of those conversations. Yeah. And it's the feeling, you know? And so it is okay to be caught off guard. It's okay to think, Oh no, this is happening. I need to go read every book. I need to, you know, make sure I'm saying the right thing. I need to carve (laughs) out a Saturday to have these conversations because you don't. I mean, you, you, or it's okay. I feel like that first conversation in my head, I was going, Oh God, Oh God, Oh God, Oh God. Yeah. God. yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'll just talk about this. Yes. Yes, <laughs> it, it is. And again, you know, in those instances, remember that they really probably only do want a little bit of information. They want to know that it's okay to ask questions. Um, if they do feel kind of weird about something, they're sort of feeling it out. And so, the more parents can kind of say, ah, that's a good question, or, whoa, didn't expect that, you know, and like you said earlier, using humor is great, you know, that's your personality, (laughs) you know, you're, you're a funny person, and, and you're witty, and that's great to do with kids as well, right, Um, and I, I do things like that all the time, when I, when I get an awkward question, or I'm not sure how to, we hear a lyric on the radio, a lot of times I will just be like, whoa, whoa, what did they mean by that? You know, and I'll kind of anticipate that that was an awkward thing that we all just experienced. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to put it and out there it. that it's, you know, and 
And I think it helps them also be able to point out those things in a way that's like, oh, okay, that's weird. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to think about that later, or I'm going to ask about that later, or I'm going to, you know, kind of explore what that means. Uh, anything else about elementary school? Because I feel like I took us off on a talent no, no. tangent. I like to but is there, Yeah. Is there anything else um, just to say about I think that One of the things I hear at that age, this kind of six to eight year old, is that parents are starting to anticipate that their kids are going to start going through puberty. Um, you know, for girls, nine to 12 is sort of the average age. For boys, it's a little bit older. But it is important to start anticipating those stages of development. Um, kids like books uh, at that age and even earlier about where babies come from. Um, I have a couple of favorites <laughs> um, that I gave my kids. My daughter carried one of them around everywhere she went for about six months. She just loved that book. She was very interested in, in where babies came from. And I just let her do that. <laughs> and it was, it was great. Um, but it's it's also not too early to start talking about that and to start saying, you know, remember when your cousin like all of a sudden got taller and his voice kind of changed and he got some zits, you know, that's a process that everyone goes through. Um, it kind of varies from kid to kid, but it's something that in the next couple of years, you know, you're going to experience as well. And, um, you know, it's not something you need to worry about, but it's something that will help you kind of understand and get through and is normal. Right. So then they, again, they don't get too insecure about it. Um, they already worry enough <laughs> about whether they're normal or not, whether they're growing enough, whether they're tall enough, whether they're going to be smart enough. Um, they worry about those things. So if we can just say, you might be worried about this, but it's going to be okay. And, you know, there's a lot of things that are going to change, but that's part of growing up. So then let's, let's move into that. So like middle school <laughs> age, right, is really where. Yeah. So what about, what is sexual health look like for middle schoolers? So. In my experience teaching uh, middle school age kids, they're some of my favorite, <laughs> but they are also all over the place, um, developmentally, you know, emotionally and physically. They're just all at different places. Um, some kids are really at that point where if you even say sex, they just, they can't even look at you, right? They are so embarrassed and it's just, it's too much. And you have other kids who have learned a lot. They believe they know a lot, <laughs> maybe from their friends or from, you know, TV or the internet. Um, and so they're really all over the place in what they understand and what they have learned. Um, but that age group, again, um, understanding puberty, understanding body changes, um, they, again, really start to wonder if they are normal, um, if they're, you know, penis looks normal, if this hair growing in weird places is normal, they wonder if other kids, um, if that's happening to other kids, they might start to think about having a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Um, I think a lot of parents tease about that. Um, and that can be something that could potentially shut a kid down, you know, and, and again, we try and do that with the best of intentions, <laughs> but yeah. Sometimes it's just too much, right, for them. And, and that's something that um, oftentimes parents just need to, to let them um, lead the way on. Um, having some, you know, with boys, um, 
they, as they're going through puberty, they're going to have wet dreams. They're going to start experiencing some of those physical things. Um, they're going to have erections. And um, it's important to, to let them know that this happens. It might seem really weird. Um, letting them know that if they have a wet dream, this is what you do, right? right. Take your sheets. You don't have to tell anyone. Put them in the wash. <laughs> I'm not going to ask you any questions, you know? Um don't worry about it. It's normal. Uh, you know, I, we, I definitely, <laughs> I was sent home for my son's 11 year old doctor's appointment. He's about to be 12 with, and it was discussing puberty just a teeny bit. And it said, these things might happen, including wet dreams. And mm-hmm. I sort of tasked my husband. I was like, here's something I don't know that much about. You're going to have to go with this conversation. Yeah. And I know that they had it. My son was sort of eagerly anticipating yeah. it because he knew there was some sort of information. Yeah. <laughs> But what to do after a wet dream, we definitely haven't discussed. Yeah, yeah. And it's, you know, again, it's just, it's kind of a, it's hard to just bring up out of the blue, you know? Yeah. So looking for those opportunities in, you know, in, in every moment when it comes into your head that, ooh, this might be a good time to say that. We're making the bed, right? Yeah. Um, but that is, wasn't even, I love that you said that because it wasn't even something that I thought of. And I feel like that's totally a piece of raising somebody who's sexually healthy. Mm-hmm. Like not only like here's a wet dream, but like here's how you handle yeah. it so that it yeah. isn't embarrassing or shameful. And it's gonna, you know, we're not going to ask any questions and you know, this is what you do. And that's a part of life. And yeah. in a couple years or maybe even sooner than that, it's not going to happen anymore. Yeah. You know, it's just a part of a normal part of growing up. Yeah. I, I love that. Um, kids also start to understand relationships. They, um, can start to understand sort of the healthy and unhealthy aspects of a relationship. This is, um, when it's good to, be modeling that in our own adult relationships and, you know, solving problems, um, compromising, being in safe and healthy relationships ourselves can really have an impact. And that's where kids learn everything um, about that. It's also a good time to start sharing some of those values um, that that you have, maybe a family has the expectation or has the value that a child should wait until they're married or until they're out of high school or whatever it may be. Um, and it's okay to start expressing that, you mm-hmm. know, sex is something that, you know, we've talked about, you know what it is. Um, our expectation is that sex is something that's for adults, um, but your sexuality is yours. And, if you do decide to become sexually active before that, we hope you would talk to us. And if you you don't feel comfortable talking to us, we hope you have another adult. And who would some of those adults be? Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, and we would also hope that you take precautions to keep yourself, to keep your partner safe, um, and that everything is done consensually, you know. And so... Again, that kind of gives them that autonomy to make their own decisions. But it's okay to give those expectations as well. But I like that too. And I feel like what you just said was so good. I should print that and be ready to read it <laughs> like to my son uh, or sons. Um, but I like what you said too um, in, that, in that value system that your values can be whatever they are. Mm-hmm. And you can still also teach and grow sexually healthy kids. Oh, yeah. And I think that that... There's a lot of fear, right? Mm-hmm. Like, 
um, about like, well, if I, you know, if I value this and I teach sex, then, Mm -hmm. then like I'm going against my own values and that's not true. You can teach your values while also educating Mm -hmm. your child. Yep. Yep. And again, the, the, the bottom line is really to be, you know, welcoming, non-judgmental, um, warm and loving and accepting of your child, right? They might make decisions about their sexuality that you don't want them to, (laughs) or that, um, you know, are not, um, you know, what you wanted for them or hoped for them. But again, we, it's, it's their own, right? It's their own, um, behaviors and their own choices to make and we're guiding them and and trying to help them feel good about themselves which really should help them make good decisions um going forward in their relationships and in their their sexual choices you know one of the things that i think oftentimes parents struggle with is if they have a child who um expresses that they might be a lesbian or might be gay or might feel like they're a different gender that can be really difficult for parents to um to even know what to do with right Mm -hmm. and so you know my advice would be in those situations to again first and foremost not to shame, not to make, uh, you know, it seemed like that's something bad about the child to um, let them know that, you know, they've let you down potentially. Um, and that there's a way, even if, even for parents who are really uncomfortable with LGBTQ um, issues, they can still be loving and accepting to their child. Right. And so they can still find resources, help their child navigate that. Um, without shaming. And I think that's another situation where if it comes up for parents, they need to say, I don't I'm not sure how to answer this, but I love you. And I love that you told me that and are comfortable with who you are. And let's find some resources to help you navigate it so that you feel that way as well. So that you feel like you can love yourself, that you feel like you have the support of us and your community. Um, and it's just, it's always kind of like <laughs> offering that like virtual hug, you know, <laughs> um, to kids when they're, they're navigating these tough things and not just like trying not to be alarmed if there's anything <laughs> that comes up that makes you internally like go, ah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> just kind of smile and, uh, get back to it (laughs) another time. Well, let's move into high school. And I mean, I guess sort of like high school and even into Uh adulthood, but, but what does teaching your child to be sexually healthy in high school look like? Yeah. So we know that, um, about 60% of, uh, students when they graduate from high school report having had sex. Um, so the idea that, um, kids are going to wait really long or wait into their twenties or wait until after high school to have sex is not the reality. Although I will say that nationally, that really the trend is that kids are waiting longer to have sex. Um, the average age is about 17 in the United States for first intercourse. So high school kids become sexually active, mm-hmm. um, whether they are having 
penetrative intercourse, whether they're, you know, what we might say fooling around or other sexual behaviors, they're most likely engaging in those. And again, it's normal behavior, healthy teen sexual behavior is always within the context or should be within the context of a respectful uh, relationship where all partners are feel safe, where there's no coercion, where consent is always given every in every instance. And when um, teens are able to um, negotiate safe sex, right? right? If they need to use condoms or if they need to use contraception. So, you know, parents just kind of need to know where they're at in that stage of development. And there's a lot of teens who are not interested in it at all, right? They're in sports, they're, you know, doing their art stuff or, you know, whatever they're into, that's what they're focused on. They're really focused on their friends. Um, But some kids really value and, and, you know, get into these really intense um, relationships at that age. So, you know, information about contraception, information about safety, information about where to access resources, whether it's through a family, you know, pediatrician or um, through, you know, another clinic that they might feel more comfortable going to. That's it's really important that they have those resources and they, they're, you know, they might be less uh, likely to talk with parents at that age because they are becoming their own, you know, people who are making their own decisions about these things. And so, again, being there to support and guide and offer those resources and and check in, you know. And I think more than intimacy, um, physical intimacy, they're starting to experience real broken hearts, you know, and they, they need their parents so much to, you know, remind them that they are just loved and valued and special and that there, there will be other relationships and they'll have other people that they'll love um, and that will love them because it really hurts that, you know, those first oh, broken I remember hearts. That. Yeah. So like, that's, that's oftentimes when kids start to experience those real intense relationships and feelings for the first time. And that's, you know, it's a whole nother, that's <laughs> it's a whole another, different level. That's another conversation. <laughs> yeah. 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 And it's another way to, you know, all of this is about building your relationships sure. with your kids as well. Um, so that communication is, is just really important and the love and that, again, that common thread of, this is something good about you. We understand it's hard to navigate, um, but we're here and we'll help you. (laughs) That's great. I want to start to wrap things up. So what do you think just a few more tips for parents about things that we need to consider when we're asking like, or answering some of these questions Mm -hmm. that we might feel are difficult? Sure. So first of all, affirm any kind of question or anything that comes up. So thanks for asking that or, whoa, that's an important question. Um, Clarify the question. Um, Sometimes we're so eager to make sure we're saying the right thing or answering these questions that we sort of just, you know, jump right into it without being as thoughtful as we might want to be. Um, so just even asking, why are you asking that? Or, you know, did you hear something about that? Or that's a really interesting question. What made you bring that up? Um, 
If you don't have an answer right away, and I do this all the time, um, I'll say, well, that's a good question. I'm not exactly sure how I want to answer that. I want to make sure I get you the best information and, and you know, think about what I think of that. Um, and I'll get back to you and then make sure you do. <laughs> Always make sure you're following <laughs> up or coming back to it. Uh, suggesting other resources. Hey, you know, have you learned about that in health? What was said in there? Have your friends said anything about this? And just you know, trying to understand what world they're living in and where they're um, getting information. Some things I would avoid doing is deferring to the other parent. Um, we see this a lot in on like TV sitcoms, right? A child right. asks a question and and one parent says, oh, go ask your dad, right? Or, or I'll tell you when you're 30, right? So all right. of these things that are just, they don't validate the question, right? They make it seem like I'm not a safe person to talk to, but maybe someone else will, you know, go, mm -hmm. go talk to them. Um, so try and defer, <laughs> try and not defer. Um, to another parent. And then also, um, again, just, just guiding with this, this idea that they deserve this information and um, you're going to help get it for them, even if you don't have it right in that moment. Um, and that, you know, you can tell your kids too, hey, you might roll your eyes when I bring some of this stuff up, but it's really important. And I love you so much that I really, you know, this is stuff that's important to learn. And again, they might not want to hear that then, but they are going to internalize that idea that it's something good about them. And it's something that you really cared enough to, to try and, <laughs> and teach them. And it's okay. It's okay to stumble. So um, I hear a lot of parents say, I'm probably doing it all wrong, or I didn't start early enough, or now I have to sit down and I don't know what to say. Um, but you, But you do, you know, and it's, I feel like it's the parents who aren't asking those questions and who aren't worried about saying, you know, the, uh, the right thing and think, oh, my kid will come to me when they when they have a question. Um, it's not. Yeah, <laughs> it's not you, really kind of, you need to lay the groundwork yeah. for that. Yeah. What about any good resources for people that want to learn more about creating sexually healthy kids? Yeah, there are a ton of books that um, are out there. There's lots of resources, even if you just Google articles. Um, Advocates for Youth is a website that um, has created evidence-based curriculum for schools and for teachers, um, but they also have a whole parent resource center that's great. And it gives um, uh, information for every age level and sort of where kids are at physically and emotionally and um and also sexually. Um, so that's a great resource just to be able to browse through and come back to. Um, books for kids are a great resource. Um, I always recommend if you find a book or a book is recommended to you to read it first. Um, make sure that you are comfortable, you know, with everything that's in there. Um, if you're not comfortable with some parts of it, then have that conversation. Um, but books are great. And as much as I think it's really important to talk, it's also really important just to let your kids know, like, here's some information. I actually just plant books on their bookshelves yes. <laughs> and, and sometimes don't say anything or, um, you know, so, so kids love books. Yes. My daughter walked around when she was about four with a book called, um, 
sex, what's the big secret? And it's a great, gentle introduction for little kids to sexuality and, um, and, and sex. Um, again, you know, if your child is in uh, school and has a human growth and development or a sexuality education curriculum, you know, get a copy, see what's in there and be ready to discuss it. You know, oh, hey, was today the day you learned about STIs? You know, what did you learn? What are the stats? <laughs> you know, um, what questions do you have? Um, so using those resources. Um, and then, you know, everyday life, when you go into the doctor's office and, you know, at that middle school age, a doctor might offer a HPV vaccine, right, which can prevent human papillomavirus, which is transmitted sexually. Um, when my doctor did that, she sort of looked at me and said, do you want to get this? And I looked at my daughter and I said, this is what this is for. It helps prevent the transmission of a really common sexually transmitted infection. And... My daughter looked at me and she said, oh, that sounds good. <laughs> that sounds like a smart choice. So instead of like glossing over this, like, what's HPV? What's that? Yeah. What's the shop for? I use that opportunity to just say this is what this is. And it, again, it's those little seeds of um, this is OK. This is real life. You know, um, here it is. And I'll tell you what it is and you can respond. So. Um, some of those just normal everyday life things uh, are important. And I I have tried to get really good at when I see something that makes me go, oh, man, <laughs> I wish my kid hadn't seen that or hadn't heard that of just kind of calling it out and being like, well, that was kind of weird to see in the middle of the day at Starbucks, yeah. <laughs> you know, or <laughs> what is this song actually about, you yeah. know, um, and, and bringing those things up. But we all have our own personalities and relationships with our kids. And it's, you know, it's that authenticity that really, I think, resonates with them. Awesome. Well, I will link to those yeah. resources in the show notes. And if you have any other favorites, we'll let me know and I will include those. Cool. But this is awesome. Yay. I'm so excited. Yeah, thank, thank you, you so, so much. much. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thanks again for listening to today's episode. You can find the show notes on www.boysbuiltbetter.com. I've got some new content coming to you through Patreon. I'll link to that in the show notes. That's where you're going to find new content throughout the summer. And thanks again for listening.